Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Make contact with aliens. Will you take him to another planet, to a mothership? How they communicate with them? Can you tell me what they look like? Can you tell me how many of them there were? Were you, were you given food? But the teachers are alive. They're not books. They are the very living essences of nature itself. What a strange person. Unbelievably powerful supercomputer that's running our reality, and we don't have a clue yep. as to how to operate it. So when maybe you or somebody else creates an AGI system, and you get to ask her one question, what would that question be? What's outside the simulation? Say in your mind, yeah, Ted. Say to yourself that I am more than my physical body because I am more than physical matter. I can perceive that which is greater than the physical world. Thursday night, September the 24th, 2020, and I still feel like I am in a damn comic book, just like I said last night. Um, that's the kind of world we're living in right now. It started with the presidency of Donald Trump, then you got COVID-19, the space force, space junk, vaccines that mess with your RNA. I mean, Jesus Christ. There's got to be some supervillain behind all this crap, right? I mean, I'm thinking that. I mean, if you are a conspiracy guy, then that's that's the thing, right? So the, who is it? Right? That's what we need to figure out. I'm tired of the them, cabal, 
I mean, at this point, I'm sick of it. Who is it? Is it Trump? Is it Biden? Start naming names, folks. It's getting late, right? So if you can't find out who they are, then it's definitely some type of dark, I don't know, tower inside of the uh, internal realms of the conscious mind, because that's where I think all this crap comes from. Uh, because for years and years and years, we've been trying to name names and who shot Kennedy and who did this and all this stuff. And now look where we are. Look at this crap. And nobody can still give me a first and last name. Just give me some first and last names. But you don't hear that, right? You hear the, they, them, the cabal, this or that. Somebody might throw a Rockefeller out there every now and then or something. But it's the Dracos or the author. What did, what was um, Aquafarians or just some shit people are making up. But look, all we got to do is just find out. I'm not saying there's no such thing as lizards lizard people i'm not saying that there could be lizard people i've just never seen one but i do know by studying the subconscious and the unconscious and getting down into there that's where the nitty-gritty is and tonight our guest is a deep diver when it comes to that stuff anthony tyler's joining us again author of the dive manual and uh we're gonna get down it's probably one of the deepest discussions that we have on the show we had a pretty deep discussion last time I do want to thank the patrons, especially the new ones to Today Chance. Thanks for signing up, brother. I'm getting that feed on. All that stuff that you signed up for is coming for sure. But you're still going to get all the videos, the Astral Journal, all the cool stuff. If you just sign up to the normal Patreon, you still get access to, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, anything that we blog on there, and some other cool stuff, too. I like to surprise you guys with stuff. But we wouldn't be able to do the show without the patrons, and we wouldn't be able to do the network without your support. So thank you guys so much also don't forget to sign up for the fringe fest that's coming up halloween weekend we're going to have speakers that are going to be there karen dahlman uh, linda godfrey a couple other surprise speakers uh friday night we're gonna i think we're gonna start it during friday it's gonna be that day is gonna be more parapolitical type stuff and then saturday we're gonna do the event as it goes into halloween and do kind of halloweeny stuff and then we have the halloween special dead again that alex exum is gonna host and every year it gets better and better and better every single time um he started with the uh sasquatch thing and then now what did he start out with like sasquatch speaks or something where he got ate by sasquatch i never heard a grown man scream like that on the radio in my entire life but it was awesome and then uh the next year it was this haunted freakish hotel and i don't even know what he's doing this year he said it's even going to be better so you guys sign up for that and we're going to have it on video. It's going to be on Zoom. The seats are limited, and we're also going to have breakout rooms and stuff like that, too, as well. All right. The new apps are out, too. If you want to download the app, I can tell you that the Google app has a few bugs, but the iPhone app works stellar, and you can download the new Fringe FM app on your iTunes Play Store. You can leave shout-outs there. It has an alarm clock that will wake you up listening to the Fringe FM, as well as links and uh there's actually a chat room and stuff there, and we have push messaging now. So before the show comes on, I can log into the app and let you know that, hey, there's uh, we're about to go live. I know some of you got that message. But if you got an iPhone and you want to leave a shout-out, do so. If you want to call into the show, it's 1-800-588-0335. That's the call-in number to call in tonight. Uh, we'll probably wait before we open the phones up. All right, enough babbling, yabble-babble. Anthony Tyler's here with us, and he's a researcher and author from Anchorage, Alaska, and his work can be described as evolutionary psychology that deals 
heavily with the mechanics of classical mysticism, often bleeding into folklore and Fortean phenomena. He is also a researcher, writer, and one of the three developers of the nonpartisan news website, The Last American Vagabond, which is, he could say, well, that was my, I did a thing on that a long time ago. Whatever, The Last American Vagabond, just because you're one of the, if you're a writer for that site, you're a badass, period, because The Last American Vagabond is a badass website. Y'all should go check it out. Um, and that website positions where he relinquished in order to write the latest book, The Dive Manual, which I have here in my hand, and it is not for the faint of heart. If you really want to get uh, stimulation of the mind and spirit and take a deep dive, this is one of the perfect books to get. And it's got some super psychedelic art all over it, too. Um, so it's called Dive Manual by Anthony Tyler, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. Welcome back to the show, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me back on. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, too. I, I don't turn my camera on for nobody except you, dude, <laughs> you know? but it's it's cool though like you're you're in alaska right now still huh so how's that is it freezing up there yet uh it probably is i'm not in alaska anymore though i'm actually not, here in the bay area okay it's cool. scorching hot oh yeah unbelievably hot for the time of season like it's like peak of summer heat here in fall so it's kind of ridiculous damn okay well yeah i'm up in upstate new york and everybody's got me all freaked out the neighbor came around today and he was like, man, where's the snow at, man? And I was like, snow? It's September. I hope you ain't wanting snow. And he's like, dude, it should be snowing right now. And I'm thinking, oh, hell, I got to get out of here, man. I got to get out of here quick. I might not stay here long. Once we get this new studio set up, I might bounce and just try to find some warmer weather or something. But yeah, man, how you been since uh, the COVID? I don't remember last time we talked. Was the, the COVID thing even like in full force the last time we talked? Yeah, um, I think last time we talked, though, the, uh, all that rioting and stuff hadn't happened yet. So there's been plenty that's gone on between now and then. But, I, I mean, I'm doing pretty well. I can't complain. Uh, just kind of living regular life. Um, uh, Deftones came out with a couple of new sweet singles. So nice. that's pretty awesome, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who doesn't like the Deftones, so, right? Yeah. You know, I'm just doing my thing. Um, and, uh, you know, any chance I get to have a conversation like this, I'm always all for it. So, you know, I, uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's always refreshing. So happy to be here. Yeah. Well, cool. We're happy to have you, man. And I got to tell you, um, I was telling him before this book, uh, before the show, before the book, before the show that this book is not, you know, like what I usually do is I'll read a chapter or try to read a chapter a night before I fall asleep. Um, because I know if I read a chapter, it'll stay in my head for some reason. This is not a book you want to read before you fall asleep. Number one, because you might have some psychedelic dreams, things that don't happen to make sense, but they do make sense. And then you're going to wake up with more questions. But I, I, what I'm saying is, is you need to really stimulate your mind when you read this book, man. I, I still have not read and I just dove into this thing actually. So much is going on in the move, but you don't want to hear my excuses. You just want me to read your book. I understand. But I'm trying to tell you, brother, that I've never read a book like this in my entire life. Like never. Yeah, it's kind of it's, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh So if you mix like Carl Jung, magic mysticism, 14 psychology, astrology, his, the history of mysticism, and fear and loathing in Las Vegas at the same time. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's uh, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, thank you very much. That's great. Is that um, what you were shooting for? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always had a, a fascination with like surrealistic art and, uh, I don't know, uh, like, you know, things like horror, uh, you know, so I, I, I wanted to add a little bit of like, uh, you know, there was long story short, there has to be a way to tie all, uh, all of that different material together. And so I just kind of, um, and I've written some fiction material and stuff. So I just kind of, you know, just put a little bit of dash, everything that I had in me in there to see what came out. But, um, you know, I had a friend put it that it's like, a, essentially, you know, a, a coffee table book being, uh, something that easily accessible that just about anybody could pick up or even flip to any page and and uh, and comprehend it. Yeah, my friend said that this book is an anti coffee table book. So I uh, I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And um, um, they, I mean, if anything, that's like the only real critique I've had, uh, which is a fair critique and something that I kind of knew out the gate is like it's not exactly easily digestible but it's digestible enough i mean i've had a, a good feedback that it's uh you know cogent and uh, and interesting to read but yeah you definitely um you don't want to be uh nodding off before bed reading it probably <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of it's i mean it's kind of trippy go if you guys uh, want the reference go to divemind.net that's the website, divemind.net. And you know, there's an email there, the Twitter, the dive log. And it's, uh, man, this is perfect. If you want to have a book to read for COVID, though, and you just need some, there's, there's no way. Let me try to put it this way. It's one of those books where it's like, there's no way. I don't care how bored you are. You know what I'm talking about? Like how bored you've been before. Like, dude, it's so freaking bored there's literally nothing that's going to stimulate me right now that book will do it during that time <laughs> you know it's a good thing to have it's like one of those movies you can pick up and read and watch again or whatever you know you know real quick before we get into some uh, fun material to talk about i i did want to give a quick shout out to uh the musician deca he is the dude that illustrated uh, the, the book cover, uh, it's, um, watercolor painting, I believe. And, uh, yeah, uh, great dude. Go check him out on Spotify. Um, honestly, a, a underground veteran, um, been around for a while. Um, you know, does, uh, uh lives his life, uh, making music and, uh, art and it's all really, uh, like mysticism union inspired. It's, uh, and it's, you know, he's from, he's living in New York city. So, uh, He's got that real boom bap action going on. It's good stuff. And he's an uh, extremely talented musician. So shout out to Decca. Um, but anyway, so um, yeah, the last conversation we had was a real good, uh, you know, we, we were able to get into the meat of some of the uh, phenomenology behind uh, not only mysticism, but also some Fortean stuff and how they intermingle. And there's so much to be said about that in and of itself that, uh, uh, I figured that would be a good starting out point for some well, of this because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of like chaos theory and what you could even call chaos magic in the book, but I don't necessarily call myself, uh, like, you know, a quote unquote chaos magician. And, uh, well, cause first off, most people don't really even know what that means. And, uh, yeah, second off, I, uh, I just don't, particularly ascribed to any one thing but uh so to start out with um 
chaos theory. Let's start with chaos theory before we describe chaos magic a little bit. And I mean, chaos theory is basically, um, it is forensic analysis. It's cause and effect. And the, the fact that in the, in the name chaos theory, it implies that yes, the, uh, the universe is and the cosmos is essentially chaos, but only insofar as, uh, you do not understand it. You know, the, 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 the theory behind the chaos theory um, is the fa- uh, the uh, essentially the supposition that you can you know find um, that you can actually find synthesis and uh, and uh, lucidity in the chaos and order and you know that's what scientists use chaos theory for it's uh, it's in order to uh, derive order out of a situation and where chaos theory. Uh, intermingles with mysticism uh, is primarily two places, or three, I guess. Um, the first being psychology. You know, many people uh, forget that Freud, um, who whom Jung was the protege of, um, he he often liked to call uh, his whole psychological. You know, because you know Freud was at the beginning of all this. Um, yeah, he so came he, up with the uh, the what was it, the Oedipus theory, where everything goes back to your childhood and all. You know, everything. Uh, uh, you're always trying to get back to your mother or father, if depending on if you're a boy or a girl type situation. You know. Yeah, yeah and Freud was certainly a, a kooky guy in many respects, but he laid the groundwork for a lot of this stuff. Um, he, you know, he was the guy. He was the godfather of, um, you know, just giving science the vernacular to be able to investigate uh, the, the the human psyche more so. Um, so anyway, he liked to call uh, what he was doing uh, more specifically than psychiatry or psychology. He would call it psychodynamics, uh, meaning very directly that this was meant to be something like uh, – the laws of thermodynamics investigated within the psyche, which is a very interesting concept. Um, so uh, I'll be a bit metaphorical, but not as much as you would think actually. And, uh, and the other ways that chaos theory, uh, intermingles with mysticism would be, um, fractal mathematics, which is inherently uh, chaos theory. And, uh, and of course the, uh, the, uh, aforementioned thermodynamics, um, which, um, yeah, it goes into some, uh, you know, you mentioned astrology earlier and this is something that I haven't really uh, taken the time to address too much, um, or hardly at all in any other conversations I've had. And, um, I think it'd be a good place to, you know, o- um, open up this little chestnut a bit because now I know a lot of people roll their eyes at astrology and in some sense you rightfully should, um, because, there's a lot of like pop astrology, new age astrology out there that is, yeah, um, yeah they call it the uh, the Barnum effect, where you have very generic template definitions of things that that many different people can relate to. And there, yeah, you certainly you can find that in pop astrology. Um, like I, I don't, and you know how I eventually started just. I don't look at horoscopes every day. That's not what it's about. And I'll we'll we'll, we'll open this up a little bit more. And how I started to uh, just want to crack that open a bit more myself was realizing that um, a great 
um, scholastic source that I've used throughout the years being uh, Manly P. Hall, the 33rd degree Freemason and yeah. philosopher. And uh, he pretty much um, considered himself, among other things, an astrologer. And the dude is one of the most cogent, articulate uh, scholars, like on the level – you know, he was able to go to the uh, the level that Jung went with his analysis um, in different ways, uh, but he had such a way of of boiling it down into really, really digestible uh, ideas. Yeah. And well, he would was, give he, yeah, he would give examples. Do you remember when he gave examples of how uh, certain bodies, after they were had autopsied and stuff, would have certain uh, planetary energies? Like he would actually re- relate Mercury to Mercury and things like that. You know. Yeah, um, with with yeah. just cause too. You know, there's the, he gets very technical with it, and um, um, you you know, his sites he has sources and everything. It's not just you know the guy wasn't um, he. It's like he had his own commune or something. So, yeah. but anyway, so he was an astrologer, and uh, in some ways, and here's the thing: is that um, I don't necessarily think that there's a whole lot of validity um, per se now. In the uh, in the daily horoscopes, there might be, but that's ultimately not the takeaway. Now, first off, um, you don't need this idea of planetary energies per se to to uh, understand astrology. And while that could theoretically play a role, it's not it's it's not necessary um, because ultimately, what um, and it's important to note that astrology is the history of astronomy as well, right? So yeah. ancient astrologers were were astronomers, and they were doing mathematical calculations with these things. And astrology, in essence, is the philosophy of astronomy. It's not exactly a science, but it, it is coupled with a science, and it has to do with ultimately the interpretations of the zodiac, which is the uh, the procession of the equinoxes, you know, the measuring the axial tilt of the Earth in relationship to the sun, this is what it's all measuring. And the planets um, sim- signify the houses in different zodiacal alignments, not because necessarily the planets are uh, have some sort of bombardment of energy on the Earth at all, but in a sort of uh, protractor, it's a measurement uh, that was used to gauge the Earth's tilt and uh, and proximity and relationship to the sun, which is you know really the life giver. Um, and this um, is what a lot of our Western religions kind of symbolized off of too, as well. You know, the oh, movement yeah. of the sun for sure. Absolutely, and then um, you know the the ultimate supposition is that. Um, the relationship that the earth has to the sun mathematically not only change weather patterns, uh, which it obviously does, but it will change uh, the, the human collective psyche akin to weather patterns, like weather of the psyche. And this has been um, a, a, a timeless thought, you know, shared cross-culturally throughout history. And uh, it's particularly noted in uh, in the Hindu um uh, belief system as a whole, uh, you know, with the yugas, the yuga cycles. Mm-hmm. And um, they say that we're in the, uh, the the Kali Yuga cycle these days, you know, it's supposed to be this dark, tumultuous period. Um, so there's <laughs> there's been these, yeah, there's been these thoughts all throughout history. And I think that um, given how much we already know the sun affects the uh, the human biology, 
Uh, I mean, we can already see scientifically how much the sun affects the psyche. You know, there's seasonal affective disorder. I mean, I grew up in Alaska. So even the toughest dudes, um, some of them, it didn't matter what they looked like or how tough they thought they were. They just uh, some people could take it and others they couldn't just hang, though. Eat. Right. Yeah, and they couldn't hang. Yeah, yeah. And there's and there's no shame in that because it's tough up there. I, I'm not there anymore. I didn't want to be there anymore. Um so there, there's a when you when you don't have enough sunlight, it changes your circadian rhythms, and you know obviously the vitamin D and melatonin. It's it's um, it's changing your whole hormonal processes essentially, not entirely, but to to large varying degrees. So it's not good for you, that's for sure. You know, no. um, energetically, uh, we talked about it on the show quite a bit. Uh, energetically when things come into balance light dark the more balance you have in your life the more the peak more peak your energy is going to be it doesn't really matter like you know if your body's alkaline or acidic or if you're you know hydrated enough uh if you're balanced uh energetically if you get enough sleep if you eat balanced enough everything's about balance like the battery you know the battery that they show in the matrix if you have those two chemicals inside there if they're the more balanced those chemicals are, the more power that energy is going to be, right? So it's this whole yin yang thing, right? But we don't. So, uh, you go live in darkness up there, you're going to start feeling off balance after a while, you know? Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, and you know, there's uh, I don't know if it's scientifically like proven, quote unquote, or not, but there is the old um, idea that uh, heat really makes people angry. Um, so, you know, there's something else to throw in there, but, um, no, so, um, um, it, like I said, so it's, it's more so the, uh, the sun's energy than anything. And, um, I think that there is, there's, there's a lot of weight to that. Um, and, you know, so astrology, if you're using the pop astrology, yes, um, there will be that Barnum effect, as science calls it, like we mentioned. But if you're looking more to the roots of it and the actual historical lineage that dates back to the mystery rites of antiquity and in Greece and Egypt and uh, and going back to Samaria, etc., um, then you find the um, while it changes uh, uh, throughout cultures, you have this tree of life modality. This uh, this uh, cornucopia of symbolism. And um, I don't know about every single case per se, but in the vast majority of cases, these uh, uh, astrological uh, slash astronomical um, advances that these, that these ancient astronomers made were corresponding um, to uh, the tree of life, ultimately. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, uh, and see, I think that, uh, I think this is important to, to note because the, the human psyche is a lot more malleable than people think. Like, I don't believe in a law of attraction per se, but there's certainly a law of, uh, suggestibility. That's for sure. And, and, you know, f f for that matter, um, well, we can debate I, that. I, I would love to debate that actually. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we got to take our first break, but I would love to de debate that because I think I know where you're getting from that. Like, is okay. there is there a real power that we have to attract things in our life in a magical way? Or are we simply doing things suggestively through symbolism to move our focus and our energy into something different? 
I don't know. It's a big debate. We'll get into it when we come back with Anthony Tyler. Dive manual. Go get it, man. We'll be right back. FM. I'm getting older and noticing that my body just doesn't work as well as it used to. So I like to keep fit as possible by hitting the gym a few times a week. Recently, I started having a nagging bicep pain and it got so bad I couldn't even lift the weights. When I was complaining about it to a friend, he told me about Angioprim. He said chelation helps remove toxins, heavy metals, and cholesterol in veins and arteries that may cause blockages. You know, after just one week of taking Angioprim, the pain was gone and now I'm back in the gym full strength. Scientific research proves the active ingredient in angioprim has superior oral chelation action that helps promote cardiovascular health. So to learn more, go to angioprim.com. That's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com or talk to a trained consultant. Call angioprim toll free at 945-882-7221. You'll feel better with more energy. That's 945-882-7221. Or go to the website, angioprim.com. Telepath is a weekly digital newsletter filled with the latest paranormal news, trending topics, and fresh articles from some of the most popular critical thinkers in the community today. Stay informed on your favorite paranormal podcasts and live streaming talk shows. Interact with the telepath and upload your paranormal story or pics. It could be featured in an upcoming edition. Sign up right now for the free telepath newsletter at paranormal.radio. That's paranormal.radio. Born out of the alchemical tradition of Paracelsus is a medical tradition called Spagyria. Though not many people practice this work today, Phoenix Aurelius has been researching and teaching this work for the last 15 years, and he needs your support. Hi, I'm Phoenix Aurelius, and I'm the founder of the Phoenix Aurelius Research Society, where I perform modern scientific research on the methods and techniques of Paracelsian alchemy and spagyria for health, wellness, agriculture, ecology, and more. All my work is 100% funded by the public, so if you like what I'm doing and you want to support my research, please consider making a purchase of spagyric medicines for my apothecary, fund your own spagyric idf wellness research or participate in my group study or one-on-one immersion courses so that you can learn how to perform this work for yourself i want to thank you in advance for your support visit the fringe.fm forward slash alchemy research and enter coupon code fringe and receive 15 percent off anything and everything on the website that's the fringe.fm forward slash alchemy research and thank you for doing your part and keeping alchemy alive in the modern day Yoy there, it's Gigi from Shift Happens, and you're shaking some conversational tail feather to the Fringe FM.
tired of going out and having fun on Friday nights? Perfect. Because that's on our show, Shift Happens, airs live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 p.m. Central, right here on The Fringe FM. You get there while you can status. during the break and it's kind of synchro uh, on this day september the 24th 1541 paracelsus died come on man do you think before we get back into our discussion before the break about the law of attraction and all that do you think that that was a total coincidence that i brought that up i mean come on oh it could be no. right could be no so, well let me put it like this when you when you mentioned Paracelsus, I was like, oh, he probably knows. He probably knows. So no, the fact that you didn't, it's like, hmm, I wonder what was going on there. There's some, <laughs> sort of, some sort of synchronicity. And also that reminds me, uh, before we get back into it, it is my uh, my mamaw's birthday. So happy Aww. birthday, mamaw. Shout Happy out, birthday, mamaw. Yeah. I yeah, called my right. grandmother Graham. Graham, my right. Graham. I'm always surprised at how many different names there are for grandparents. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Anyway, yeah. So law of attraction, lay it on me, man, because I really think, I think that in a sense, it's, you know, you're kind of splitting hairs here and to a degree, it doesn't matter which way you word it, but ultimately the semantics, I think when, when you're considering something like a law of attraction, I think it has a lot more to do with the inward process and your unconscious motivations more so than it has to do with, um, actual, um, energy outside but 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 see the thing is yeah like it then it's it's really mincing or uh, splitting hairs there rather just because splitting hairs if you only care about practical results right right um but what else is there i mean i guess (laughs) well what are you talking about like existential yeah right exactly there are people that believe that there is uh, a metaphysical world of energy and magic that underlies all of this, right? And that when you, and this is what I believe, that when you speak in symbol and things like that, there's a figure eight, so to speak, if you want to look at it like that. Like that. And this is what I talked to Laird Scranton about. On one side of that figure eight is the physical realm. And on the other side of that figure eight is the spiritual world. Where those figure eights cross, where the, you know, the two circles of the figure eight cross right there, that's the unconscious, the subconscious, the doorway. Right, basically, but I mean, I don't see how you any we could ever look at fractals, the Fibonacci sequence, and all of the sacred geometry, and see that there's not some type of plan and creative force and spirit force behind all this stuff in creation to begin with. Number one, but number two, when you understand the symbolism and you tap into the five senses of the unconscious, touch, smell, see, touch, smell, see, feel, hear, all that stuff, right? 
and you use it to de- to reprogram yourself, there's a big argument that says, well, are you simply just changing your focus? Where first you were in lack of this thing that you didn't believe you could get or something, and now that you've actually done this ritual, it's actually programmed your mind to look for what you're trying to have in your life. And it's simply just a change in focus, and it's all in the brain. That's all it is, and you've triggered that. Or are you actually tapping into unseen forces, speaking through symbolism, because the spirit and metaphorical, or metaphysical world, excuse me, and metaphorical world speaks in symbolism? Now, I believe in the latter based on my experience, although that would imply that the law of attraction is a definite real thing in a magical type of sense because we don't have any other word besides magic you know to explain the science of what's really going on yeah and i I will say this that um i am not a pure materialist by any stretch of the imagination so if nothing else uh any grander implications of any law of attraction i feel like have to start out with the the you know the initial spark of um, that inherent hypnotic suggestibility. You got to open the gateway to the unconscious before you can do anything. And, uh, you know, the comic book writer, Alan Moore, uh, there's a, there's a fun story, uh, an anecdote that he tells because he, uh, these days, you know, so for people who don't know Alan Moore, he's a badass. Yeah. He wrote Watchmen. He wrote the classic Batman, uh, the killing joke. Um, he did, uh, V for Vendetta, uh, from Hell, the comic book about uh, Jack the Ripper, and he uh, throughout his, the years became more and more outspoken with uh, his interest in the esoteric and things like chaos magic and whatnot. And he said that it all changed when he was writing a line in the, in From Hell, where it was something to the effect of, "If nowhere else, the gods have always existed in the human minds." And that's not to 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 toss them aside either and say they're pure, uh, purely superfluous or uh, imaginary. But if nothing else, they do have um, some sort of tangibility within the mind, uh, you know, with, you know, the discussion of archetypes and how that permeates into our biology and, um, and the evolutionary scale. But, uh, and so he said, you know, once he considered that he really, you know, that permeated into his own psyche. And he, he said that one statement, that one uh, line that he wrote caused him to kind of change his entire perspective. And I think that, like I said, I don't discount the fact that there are some, uh, you know, mystical, unexplainable aspects of life, uh, things that we can only heuristically approach, meaning with this uh, self-education sort of trial and error evolutionary model that we have. Um, Well, doesn't synchronicity, if you want to get into Carl Jung, doesn't synchronicity imply that there is something like that going on? In other words, just to give you an example, uh, I was talking to Jerome Headley the other night and we were speaking about, uh, we were speaking about this moment of time when it comes to the sun you know, when the, the first to fall, there's a letting go that happens. And he started talking about the crossing of the rainbow bridge. And I personally was going through something heavily, heavy emotionally. But, but that on that day, I just decided out of the blue to take a trip to Niagara Falls, which I'd never been to Niagara Falls. Well, what's the symbolism for water and waterfalls? That's definitely a letting go of emotion, right? And as he was sure. talking about the rainbow bridge, there, I remember looking up specifically seeing the Rainbow Bridge 
there was a rainbow bridge at Niagara Falls. It's called the Rainbow Bridge that goes into Canada, right? Which is a maple leaf, a red maple leaf. And the more you start looking at the symbolism that's around you, you start seeing the spiritual side, the stuff that's in you when it comes to that pinnacle, you know, uh, which we all know what that stuff means, the elements. Basically inside you, it corresponds to certain things, your physicality, your emotions, your intellect, your desire, your passions, and your spirit. Um, you start to see the symbolism that's actually happening to you in a, in a perfect kind of narrative story that's going through these archetypes and all these other things too as well. And you're like, well, if this is happening, then I can totally attract whatever because this is, there's, there's some kind of illusion going on here. And that's what Jung was talking about. There's definitely, he didn't, he never said, I know exactly what synchronicity is. It was always a theory to him, but it was a damn good one. And to me, oh, yeah. you know, synchronicity those synchronicities speak to that side to me, the existential kind of side of things, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's certainly things that, um, uh, you know, like, you know, in the book, it talks about how I actually had a, uh, a dream of somebody, uh, that was incredibly impactful to me, like months before I had even met them. So I have no rational way, no logical scientific way to explain that. I mean, they were pretty, they were as far removed from any sort of social uh, sphere or living proximity, any, not possible. So yeah, I mean, things happen, things happen, but um, coincidence. If, if any, huh? Coincidence happens. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I do think that there's, there's um there's some sort of um um you know I don't completely discount the sentiment of ether and uh you know like the earth's electro I mean this kind of gets back into some of the metaphysics of uh, astrology and the earth's magnetic field a little bit because I mean the earth's magnetic field is is uh is hertz waves and uh, I mean that's what our brains are running off of and emitting so um i think there's a lot going on you know but um that being said um i i didn't want to uh you know you mentioned the difference between like existential um implications and and um results versus practical results and uh that kind of strikes to the heart of some of the stuff that i wanted to expound upon a bit um because, like I said, I don't particularly consider myself someone who is uh, a chaos magician, but there's a lot to be said about it. Because w for those who don't know, what, what chaos magic, quote unquote, is, is um, this, it's results-based magic, essentially. It's, you know, I had it put to me like this once, um, and this is meant to be uh, a far-fetched example. So it, the the, the tenant, and this is even pretty union, um, where it, it, it harkens to these, um, these psychological structures and processes and states of consciousness in the, in, that, uh, accumulate to create the human experience. So, and they're going to be there regardless of whether you're, uh, readily activating them or not. So, um, there are these, you know, there are parts of the brain that facilitate mystical experiences. Um, and that's not to say that that's where the trail ends, but, um, so you mean naturally, it, right? Naturally and biologically. Is that what you mean? What do you mean? Well, when you say, I hate, I hate when he does that. Right. <laughs> so when you say like, uh, 
that it just sounds to me like you're saying that the, the and I might be taking it this way, that the brain naturally expounds mystical experiences every now and then that are going to just going to seem mystical. You know, it is a part of the human experience. Yeah. I mean, we have the, the neurobiological uh, faculties to back that up. So um, it's What's not an enough? uncommon thing at all. Uh, and so the supposition ultimately with chaos theory or chaos magic particularly, is that you could take something as uh, mundane as a magic eight ball. And if you actually took enough time, wouldn't be overnight, if you took enough time and discipline and attention and expounded upon this long enough, you could theoretically make uh, a magical system around this magic eight ball. And for those who are unfamiliar with what I'm specifically talking about with magic, we're at the very least, at the very least, talking about um, hip hypnosis and altered states of consciousness and the uh, the radical um, transpersonal states that we just talked about, that the, that the human brain it, it has the natural faculties for. And it relates to dreaming and art and these mirror neurons. You know, in our last conversation, we talked about V.S. Ramachandran and the whole uh, phantom limb and how... Uh, uh, he used those uh, – he basically rehabilitated people's phantom limbs with uh, reflections onto the place where their limb was missing. And it created pretty phenomenal results where it was shrinking phantom limbs, et cetera. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, that is crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that is that is literal magic as far as the, uh, the, the definitions um, are concerned dating back to antiquity. It's using uh, the psyche to – modulate your physical experience in ways that can only really happen within the psyche, you know, because, um, and it, you know, this could be a little bit of foreshadowing for something we get into next, but I don't think that, you know, um, like some people, when they think of magic, they think of, and you're sitting down, um, maybe, uh, praying to God or an angel or whatever, you know, you know, um, they, that, um, they think that like maybe you're hallucinating and having something right in front of you. You know, it's it's not like that. It's uh, it's uh, not unless there's there's probably some uh, heavy psychedelics involved. You know, it's an internal <laughs> right. hypnotic process. It's yeah. very much like an artificial dream state. Um, so, and you know, you were talking about how things are uh, <laughs> life kind of seems like a comic book and uh, chaos magic. Um, it kind of started before the whole boom of movies and comic books. It it kind of had this uh, cozy relationship with comic books, and not only like uh, the two specific people that come to mind were not only Alan Moore but also uh, Grant Morrison, uh, the acclaimed comic book writer that uh, has worked on like a lot of Batman and my X favorite. Types. The Invisibles is my favorite comic. Oh yeah! Oh, great, great stuff. He did. Uh, he did the Batman graphic novel Arkham Asylum with the the watercolor illustrator. I think it was watercolor. Uh, Dave McKean, and it's the most surreal, Lovecraftian, d disturbingly amazing comic book. It's fascinating. But so Grant Morrison was into uh, chaos magic as well, and he went so far. Um, and he was not the only one to say this, but he was the one to kind of highlight this among other people. And he, he was saying that since. Um, you can re you can essentially relate uh, these different gods and goddesses, uh, et cetera, throughout history to transpersonal embodiments of human states of consciousness. You know, war, love, 
you know, different things like that. Um, and, and so he said, because of that, because there's no real specific name for it, nor is there a specific character, there's just a quality to it that you could replace certain, um, you know, you could replace God and Satan with Spider-Man and Venom and it would essentially be the same thing. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yep. you know, it, it was interesting to hear. I Who think doesn't like Venom, year. though? Sorry, I had to stop you there, but Venom's a badass. <laughs> okay, you know? He's a badass, yeah. One of, one of my favorite all-time supervillains, no question. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so, um, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was cool to hear uh, in one of the debates between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, like a year, maybe two years ago at this point, they actually brought up this idea and they didn't actually bring up the definition of chaos magic, but they were diving right at the heart of this territory, you know. And it's a really interesting question because uh, certainly you could say that there's a little bit of weight to this. Could you could, uh, consider heroes, uh, superheroes, and these characters in art, you know, all across the the, the spectrum of art? Um, can you consider these to be similar things as gods? And I think that there's a bit to be said about inertia, psychological inertia. The there fact you go. That certain that's a damn good. That's a good phrase for it. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I and not to toot my own horn, but uh, maybe other people have used it, but that one came out of my brain. You know, because I, there really is uh, a psychological inertia uh, to life in general, and, and especially when you take into account the collective evolutionary scale. Um, there's all these sociocultural pressures. Um, and when those things uh, withstand for long enough, especially like thousands and thousands and thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, um, they these symbols literally become ingrained in our biology in different ways. Um, and then are expressed, like I said, through dreams and art, etc. So, um, so, but still, um, I think that it is uh it's it's worth considering that if you were and this was kind of the conclusion that peterson and harris came to where if if you were to set up the right preconditions for a human being say like raising a kid from birth to consider spider-man and venom as god and satan then um there might be enough psychological inertia if you could account for the the disconnect you know the fact that no one else would consider those two to be yeah, they would to call the, yeah 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 <laughs> right but you see what i'm saying if the right conditions are met sure uh because ultimately these things are stories with which to relay um existential you know there's a difference between the literal truth and the metaphorical truth just because a truth is metaphorical and not and necessarily scientific fact doesn't mean that it's irrelevant but also you know true. but people get polar too which i'm hoping we're past this just because the truth is metaphorical and literal doesn't mean that one's true and the other one's not there's still right, people right, that, yeah, they're on that's different simple spectrums. but yeah. you would think that's simple yeah. right right like like uh, the metaphorical truth is how what you said earlier about um, waterfalls be having some sort of relationship to an emotional release. That's right. That's not a scientific fact. That doesn't make any sense as a scientific fact. But if you consider the metaphoric like symbolism, behind if it was it, in it a dream, yeah, if it was yeah. in a dream and you you were going through something emotional, and next thing you know, you're in a waterfall and it's just dumping water, and you're like, "Why am I in a waterfall?" Well, if you study magic your whole life and you study occultism and esotericism and you're always studying the pinnacle in these types of things, 
Your dreams might start firing back that to you to speak to you. This is an emotional dump, you see. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, a, a lot of the times, um, you know, the snippets of dreams and stuff, um, it's, yeah, it's pieces of, uh, of your life that uh, your subconscious is picking out and, you know, reverberating back to you. It's, it's not just uh, purely random, random static a dream that's for sure um so then would you are so, you saying that there is like there there's definitely some science to synchronicity some science to the randomness of things there's some science to the things that our mind does right but that hmm. there could be you still believe in the probability of a an etheric realm so to speak that does speak in possible symbolism through, through life, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what do I believe? I believe that there are that there is um, um, what you could call an etheric metaphysical realm. But uh, it's something you know, because I mean, you know, let's get into it a little bit. I mean, if we're taking into account uh, even what science understands of parallel universes and um and the, the skewed nature of time itself uh i think that there are a lot of things happening outside of the regular material time space that we are adjacent to or that we are involved with i think there's a lot of adjacent factors um so yeah yeah I, but, uh, but you know i don't but the practice but the point is you started this off with chaos magic which if you read, what is it? Um, who wrote the biggest books of chaos, chaos magic? Carol and what's the other guy's name? Uh, Are you thinking of the? Uh, oh man, I can't remember. His you always name. think of them. They're, they're right there until you get on the air, right? But there's two big yeah. guys that wrote most of the chaos. It's really not about chaos magic. It's really not about trying to understand how magic works. It's more about we tried all this stuff. This one over here works, so we're going to focus on this. That's why they got so big into sigil mag magic and things like that, because they saw the effectiveness of it, you know. Yeah, and that actually reminds me um, that there was um, a, a, an intersection between astrology and this point of chaos magic that I wanted to articulate. And it's um, so uh, recalling all of the consideration of the human psyche in uh being uh, affected by the Earth's relationship to the sun, um, you know, there, uh, it seems to me uh, there's this old, like it's not necessarily a, a commonly voiced opinion, but it's something that you'll hear around. It's certainly not something that I came up with myself. Uh, the idea that um, it is quite important to consider the uh, the environmental evolutionary pressures that are associated like on the outlier of each and every given metaphysical or religious system. You got to think about it like this, like there are different environmental pressures, uh, when, uh, when comparing something like the Arctic circle to, uh, South Africa, obviously. And because of that, you know, with everything we talked about, um, with just the obvious implications for one, and then everything we talked about with some of this astrology stuff, you see how um, where you are on the globe it might affect you for a lot more reasons uh, than any of us uh, might understand. There's so there's so much truth to that. 
There really is so much truth to that. Uh, I'm, I know we got to go take our, um, we're at the top of the hour here. So here's the thing. Like if you guys have the new app, you can get heard on the air by simply, and now the Google part, the Google app's buggy, but the iPhone app works. You can get heard on the air simply by going to shout outs and just giving us a holler and telling us what you think about and stuff. And we'll play you on the air and I'll try to do an example of that because people are already using it. It's quite fun and uh, you'll enjoy it. So we'll be right back. Five nights a week, I listen to two of my favorite shows, Lighting the Void, followed by The Secret Teachings. This is Dave in Springfield, Illinois, the land of Lincoln. Great job with the network and the app, Joe. ancientlifeoil.com that's ancientlifeoil.com are you stressed i mean who isn't anxiety creeping in no not that is sleep hard to attain because your brain just won't slow down we're living in crazy times and the fear knob has been turned up okay there's an answer take a big breath exhale and go log on to ancientlifeoil.com cbd broad and full spectrum organic and non-gmo cbd for you to enjoy change your tune from fear to calm from brain overload to clear thinking 0.003 thc on full spectrum and zero percent thc on broad spectrum competitive pricing with the best quality also know everything is going to get better no worries be happy CBD can help calm so your nerves don't think they're a six-string electric guitar. Enjoy life, smile, and log on to ancientlifeoil.com for great CBD. That's ancientlifeoil.com. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to KTLK, The Fringe. Have you suffered in silence or experienced stress from a paranormal experience? Even if it happened 20 years ago, when thinking or talking about it today still makes you feel sick to your stomach or makes your heart beat faster, or you suddenly can't breathe. Maybe you even feel those old familiar signs of a panic attack trying to reach the surface. You could have unprocessed emotional responses. Those reactions of terror and trauma are no different than living through a horrible assault, childhood abuse, or a terrible car accident. It can be nearly impossible to find help. The very instance of seeing a ghost or encountering a cryptid could be clinically described as seeing or hearing things that aren't there. You could be considered psychotic, or at best, you're just not taken seriously. Out of a growing mountain of research, the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare showed that 8 out of 10 veterans who completed just 6 one-hour EFT sessions no longer tested positive for PTSD. If you've had paranormal trauma, you can contact Metaphorical Archaeology by calling 214-995-3754. Again, that's 214-995-3754. For a discreet consultation. This is the Rogie Report News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. Technology, it's not just for the masses, but for warfare. The U.S. Army has been testing artificial intelligence in the Arizona desert. 
Army's Future Command released a video this week explaining about the project. Project Convergence is a campaign of learning designed to aggressively pursue an artificial intelligence and machine learning enabled battlefield management system. Because whoever can see, understand, decide, and act first will win. And winning matters. And winning matters. It's just kind of funny that that's what they open with. Let's get back to the audio. The Army is demonstrating new technologies as often as every two weeks. With these emerging technologies as the foundation, Project Convergence demonstrations will consist of multi-domain operational environments where the Army will demonstrate artificial intelligence and networked lethality capabilities that augment human sensing and decision-making on the battlefield. The Army is integrating into the Joint Staff-led Joint Warfighting concept. The Army developed Project Convergence to enhance combined joint all-domain command and control and focus on four key topics for modernization. Sensor integration, effects integration, applications, and data. The Army's signature modernization efforts give our soldiers the weapons they need to be the most lethal and effective force in the world. The critical link powering Project Convergence is an artificial intelligence platform called Firestorm. It's the Skynet of the program. Hopefully Firestorm does not become self-aware. In less terrifying asteroid news, an asteroid will pass near Earth on September 24th. The space rock will pass closer to the planet than the moon orbits. The moon is approximately 30 Earths away, and the asteroid will pass at a distance of approximately 2.1 Earths. This means that the asteroid, named 2020SW, will pass closer than television and weather satellites, according to EarthSky.com. It's official, Tom Cruise is finally going to space with the help of Elon Musk. Cruise is starring in a new film taking place in outer space, set to be directed by Edge of Tomorrow's Doug Lyman. NASA's Jim Bridenstine tweeted, NASA is excited to work with Tom Cruise on a film aboard the space station. We need popular media to inspire a new generation of engineers and scientists to make NASA's ambitious plans a reality. Tom Cruise will be riding on SpaceX Crew Dragon rocket to the International Space Station in October of 2021. This is the Rogie Report News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. Have you heard of heavy metals? Yeah! I'm not talking about the heavy metals in the junkyard. I'm talking about the heavy metals that build up in your body. Heavy metals in your body can make you feel sluggish, fatigued, and just plain off. Why not try Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com? Cleansing your body and making you feel great. Cleansing the inside of your body of intruders that sneak their way into you and set up an intruder camp. Life Change Tea helps remove unwanted intruder camps. Brew it, steep it, and drink in the results. Tastes great so you can create a new health habit. Our tea loves to help people. It just needs the chance. So order yours today by logging on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Our Life Change Super Strength Tea is waiting. This could be a beautiful relationship. Take charge of your health. Order at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. When you're in the house for longer periods of time, you can see them flying or running across the floor. Ooh, yuck. 
They're unhealthy, gross, and disgusting. Bugs. I loathe bugs. We keep a clean home, but occasionally bugs show up. Well, I found something that is tougher than bugs. Orange Guard. On contact, it kills hidden bugs, including ants, roaches, and fleas. Plus, Orange Guard is a residual repellent. All of the ingredients of Orange Guard are on the FDA generally recognized as safe list. Orange Guard may be used around food, humans, and pets. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Orange Guard. Available at OrangeGuard.com, Whole Foods, and Ace Hardware. To call Joe, pick up the phone, dial 1-800-588-0335, toll free from the United States or Canada. So apparently it's called, uh, according to the Rogi report here, Firestorm. You know I gotta do it. I have to do it, man. When Project Firestorm becomes self-aware, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna do the Terminator. We did that one Friday night where we just played, because it's so cool of a, a track. You can play the Terminator theme music and literally read the back of a cereal box, and it sounds cool if that's playing in the background. You know? No doubt. So, yeah, absolutely. Anyways, we're here uh, with our guest, man, Anthony Tyler, author of Dive Manual. Thanks again for coming on the program, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, fun fact, uh, on the back of the, uh, the the paperback dive manual, the last sentence is, come with me if you want to dive. And that's definitely me just changing come on, the synchro. Uh, one letter in the, uh, in the Terminator quote. Yeah, that's come the with me second synchro to tonight, bro. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no, but th- that's just the brain, and it's totally random. Come on, man. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. There's there's certainly a lot that we uh, have very little to no understanding of still, for yeah. sure. Um, I, I t- but if you, man, I'm just saying, like, you take the time to really start paying attention to it. And, yeah, I, I go overboard sometimes. Like, I'll start, like, if a butterfly lands on me or a bird flies out in front of my car or something – I'll start looking up the symbolism of it. And I'm telling you more often than not, it's, it tells me exactly what's going on in my life. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm the same way. I I just, because, because of how I am, uh, some would say it's because I'm a Pisces. I don't know. Um, but it, uh, as as much as I am invested in some of those ideas, I have that that natural skeptic inside me, not even in a negative way, like in a demeaning way, but just, I don't know, some sort of balancing act, so to speak. I don't know um, if I'm a Pi. I'm supposed, I'm like, I'm a Pisces in a certain astrology and then other astrologies. I'm an Aries. And then there's like 13th sign astrology where I'm definitely a Pisces in that. So I don't know. Right. That's another good point to, to make, uh, just as a brief aside is like, that's why astrology is not a strict science. It's obviously not a science because, there's so many different forms and uh, and uh, cultural uh, schools of thought regarding astrology. But what you can say is that it's stabbing in the right direction of some interesting phenomenology. You know, it, it, it's certainly not a throwaway. Um, but, I'm uh, freaking out, man. I'm sorry. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I remember when they when they first came out with those quadricopters, right? 
I don't know if you remember those things, but they were the little helicopters, just these little quadricopters that they programmed oh, yeah. to like go around obstacles and they would fly in perfect formation and go in figure eights and dodge everything. And I started thinking like, dude, what's going to happen when those things, when they put gun turrets on those things, you know, you know what I mean? And like, all you can hear is Metallica in the background, search, seek and destroy, you know, and that's all you can hear. And then right. now they got this be microscopic fire, firestorm stuff coming on right now. Like I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I mean, that's why she just I mean, said it though. Of- didn't she, that, that they're going to try to like, uh, augment or be like humans and make human decisions. That's impossible. They don't have emotions. Yeah. Um, I would, I, I mean, I guess it's still an open debate for now, but I don't see how it's possible. Uh, you could do the, there's such this one decision making. I don't know how you would begin to make sort of social. Media. Yeah, I don't either. I'm afraid, Anthony. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, ultimately, not to sound hokey, but that's why I'm spiritual. You know, that's what, yeah. I, that's what I fall back on because the world doesn't make any sense, really. But um, you know, so before the break, we were talking a little bit about how. Um, the um, our relationship um, to uh, how the Earth's relationship to the sun affects our consciousness in some ways, and you know, I um, um, and we were we were also talking about how uh, in many respects you could consider, you know, uh, a lot of these things like gods and goddesses and unexplainable phenomena. It um, while it does follow certain parameters, there's of of quality you can change uh, the characters are somewhat interchangeable and you know so we were saying uh like you know what if uh god and satan could be uh an equivalent to spider-man and venom well extrapolate this and see this is where my thoughts lie with a lot of fortean phenomena these days and this is something that we touched on in the last conversation and i think uh it's worth uh expounding upon a little more because um in the same way that you could say that uh, religious schools of thought, mystical, metaphysical schools of thought, for the broadest term, um, are definitely striking at legitimate uh, principles and tangibility, uh, but in in the in the way of quality more so than the specific characters in the ways that we just talked about. Um, then, w- how might that? Uh, play out when considering other unexplainable phenomena as a whole and because um um i the more you look into this stuff at least for me um i i i have a hard time considering a lot of this stuff um physical in the traditional sense now i don't think that means that it's um completely irrelevant but um you know, like, let's open up a can of worms a little bit here. Like, um, I'm not so sure that people should be looking for Bigfoot, for as example, in the strictest sense of um, of what you would consider a big uh, a Bigfoot hunter doing. I think that, and there's actually, you know, you can find in uh, the Pacific Northwest, especially a lot of uh, it was it was pretty common. Uh, it was a common Native American belief uh, to consider the Bigfoot even as this sort of gatekeeper of the forest, this um, this uh, this 
this uh, spiritual entity. Right. Um, right. So I'm not I, I'm not so much convinced that um, um, any of these things. I think that if you want to um, strike to the heart of it and find out where they might be uh, catalyzed out of or from, at the very least, it has to do with this um, with the the projection process. Something that um, I articulate. We talked about in the last conversation, and some I talk about in the book. How things like sleep paralysis uh, and the shadow people found in that, um, and uh, and the different scenarios you can find in dreams, etc. These things are, uh, in essence. Um, in good and bad ways, sort of like alarm bells of the psyche. They're, they're ways of communication, and they come from uh, they they arise when we have existential requirements, qualities of uh, of life that are that are necessary but not readily met in our environment. So we have to bridge these gaps in some ways. And our unconscious mind, um, you know, this is this is. Uh, uh, to give people another example, um, John Keel, you know, the author of the Mothman prophecies, this was his best guess as to what the Mothman could have been. It was some sort of, um, some sort of what, uh, what they would call in the East, uh, potentially a tulpa and a tulpa being something that, um, arises from a, a quality. This is what we were talking about before, about how if nothing else, Gods and goddesses and demons, these all represent transpersonal qualities of the human experience. It is likely that a lot, if not all, of Fortean phenomena has the same prerequisites um, because everything else associated with this has those prerequisites. There's got to, there's definitely some sort of hypnotic correlation between um, that can be found. Uh, you know, within 14 investigation. I mean, this is something that's uh, not only was John Keel talking about it. This is a sentiment that Jung expressed in a lot of his work. You know, he even wrote a book about flying saucers. Uh, Manly P. Hall talks about this a lot. And then, of course, we had the great Jacques Vallée. Um, I mean, this guy, uh, you know, it's fascinating to read Jacques Vallée books because at the beginning, he's just a he's just a. I believe he was a physicist um, and he was just interested in UFOs. And then it gets to this point where it becomes deeper into his books, this vast, um, absolutely fascinating. I was riveted rereading them. Um, and there's one that I read recently that I hadn't read before called The Invisible College, where yeah. he starts to, um, yeah, really dissect and uh, penetrate to the heart of um, how essentially. The, the UFO phenomena uh, probably isn't very physical in a lot of cases. Yeah, it's and, more and like it's, spiritual or could be light bodies in Merkaba. Or it could be type, a type of uh, – um, it could be projections of our mind too a lot of times. And it could be something totally different than what we think is aliens coming from another planet type to speak. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's really curious because Valet is one of – one of the most um he's definitely my favorite source when it comes to anything ufo related like specifically ufo related um because he was so well studied um and he was uh he was well connected to and his research was transparent enough to speak for itself yeah um yeah. so let's uh let's take this caller here man we got people wanting to talk to you now brother 
totally different cool. than last time. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So we have a, let's look at 509 area code. You're on the air with Anthony Tyler. Who are we speaking with? Hey, it's Chance, man. How are you doing? What's up, Chance? What's on your mind, bro? I'm not a lot. Hey, Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in. Heck yeah. So I just want to talk a little bit about Chaos Magic. Yeah. Yeah, well, what, all right. Well, how do you feel about vibrations? You know what I mean? If it's about chaos, then it should be about vibrations with yeah. the human effect. Are, vib- are, vibrations, human. are vibrations like a real yeah, thing when you hear people things. talking about it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. Mean, uh, the, the most of my research uh, primarily deals with uh, the tenets of psychology first and foremost. But um, I mean, there there are definitely correlates to physics, and I mean, I'm by no means a physicist. So what my work essentially does is just kind of explore the psychological components and uh, where it leads up to. Uh, uh, questions where physics is concerned, I can, I can kind of, um, uh, a point in that direction, but I can only, you know, say so much about it, but I think that there is, uh, definitely, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's electromagnetics and all sorts, you know, vibration is such a general term. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of like cymatics and how like the, uh, the different patterns coming out of, uh, different vibrations in, uh, like, piles of sand, sand or whatever yeah yeah so yeah i mean and like well, the whole that, yeah. thing about I'm talking, geometry i'm talking like human i'm talking like humans between humans you know like when you walk up to a certain girl and you're like hey yeah up? she's giving you know, me good vibrations that kind of vibration is that what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about like that kind of vibrations yeah that's what i'm always talking about yep that's what i'm talking about <laughs> right on, it's brother. like you walk yeah. up to like a certain dude, you walk up to a certain dude and you're like hey dude you know, because you be part of the team or, you know. Yeah, I swear I, to God, I my neighbor, Chance, uh, my neighbor Rodney down here, he's that way too. But he smokes a right. lot of weed. I'm just going to be honest with you. And it's and it's really cool too. He's, he's one of the coolest dudes in the world. And he's like, you know, I try to get a vibe for people. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you, True. you got a good vibration, man. You're a cool guy. You're all right. And then he let me use a right, shot. Right, right. So there's something there, I think, you know, just like, I guess the feeling we get off of people. I don't know if there's any psychology to that or not. Yeah, right. Well, I'm, I'm just getting sure. that. Like if we got, we got to have hope guys, you know, we got to have hope. And I think that like humans honestly have a certain vibration. And I think that we can all come together and just, you know, come together and just say, F it, you know, we've had enough. This is right. where we're at. And this is where we're coming from. And, you know, we all need to bond together. We can all just, I don't know, guys. I appreciate your time. And no, I totally agree with everything Anthony's saying to you. I do. I do. And I think there's a lot of UFOs. I think there's a lot of aliens that we could talk about all day long. <laughs> right on. Right no, thank on. you guys. I Thanks appreciate for your the call, call brother. brother. All right. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank no. you for calling. Take care. Point. I mean, I don't know. I think. I, when he, when he was talking about like with a girl thing, like, I think there's something there when it comes to like love stuff like that for sure. Um, but again, you know, like, no, these are things that we can't see, you know, we just got to go off our intuition. Intuition is crucial. That's one thing where, uh, science seems to have no, uh, readily, 
avail there's 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 no sort of occam's razor for intuition um because i mean everything else yeah i mean it's the the skeptics can rationalize dreaming away easily enough if they want to but intuition is always that thing that kind of yeah no one can put their finger on it's that kind of deeper sense of self um that um yeah so and i will say this i i'm of the opinion that uh, first impressions are key, not just like the first time meeting someone or something, but like when you walk into a room, you know, that very first initial impression you get when you walk into that room is probably going to be pretty accurate. You know, like, uh, like to give an example, if you walk into a room and it feels like you need to get the hell out of there <laughs> and then, and then you stick around for a second and you're like, ah, eh, well, it's not that bad. You know, I kind of talk yourself into, you should probably leave, you know, don't, don't talk yourself into something like that. I think it's good to go with your gut for sure. Yeah. And, and then you got things like babies and, and certain animals will only go up to certain people. I mean, there's obviously there's an unseen world, right? I mean, if you're sure. talking well, like yeah. 14, then you know. Take into account electromagnetics and chaos theory to really understand that. There's, there's definitely an unseen world. I totally, I totally agree with you on that, Chance. For sure, the what we call it, I have no idea. Uh, let's see, we got a question from the shout out line here, I believe, for you as well, too. Let me make cool. sure that you can hear it, though, because this is a new feature, so I want to make sure that I don't totally muck it up you know um let's see shout out line which that's cool man it comes right off the app here we go joe it's dre i'm curious to see what anthony's take is on the use of an importance of sound within the practice of manifesting as in like from what i've learned and experienced in my own practice when you read something when you write something and when you speak something the combination of those three things for whatever it is you're trying to do is what is kind of like a, a trigger like a magical trigger for your consciousness to implant it and put it into action pretty good question absolutely yeah and i think she um well, she's definitely onto something there. I think that those things that do help uh, instigate certain events and states of consciousness and will elicit certain responses out of an individual. And, you know, I was looking into this not long ago. She's talking about sound in specific initially. And that reminded me of, I believe it's called Orfield Laboratories, where the world's quietest room is. And people can't last more than, um, I think the, the absolute longest was like 55 minutes. And they say that uh, apparently NASA also uses it for some testing. And apparently if you stay in there long enough, there starts to become uh, – well, first off, since there's such a pure absence of sound, you can start to hear yourself now like, like not just gulping but your heartbeat like mm. very vividly. You can hear yourself breathing. Like you can hear – it becomes a completely 100 percent different sensory experience, something that – is is actually physically impossible outside of this room because they've designed it in such a way and um so like nowhere else on earth and uh evidently um that when if you stay in there long enough where you are completely you're just in this void of uh, because they turn it off too this is like sensory deprivation on steroids essentially wow. 
um, that, yeah, do you start to have all sorts of hallucinations? And I think that that is extremely interesting and something science uh, hasn't really bothered to touch on um, and investigate too much yet. The, the human mind's propensity to, um, um, well, in states of like, uh, given the, the silent room, it could get a little hysterical where you start having like maybe disorienting hallucinations, but the same goes for positive things too, um, where there can actually be catharsis out of, um, what you call these, uh, uh, yeah, mystical, mystical states of, uh, of experience really. You so. know, people, when people get in like float tanks too, man, they, they tend mm -hmm. to freak out sometimes because they can't handle, you wouldn't think that silence and stillness and sensory deprivation would do that to you, but some people just cannot take it. Like you, you yeah, know, if you get you. meditative and you try to calm down, but you get to this point where you actually become nothing, you know, but your mind's just going crazy. It gets, it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. I've never done one myself. Um, but I've done with plenty of work with, uh, like less extensive sensory deprivation and hypnosis and things. Have you ever seen that movie, um, altered States with William Hurt? Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody should watch that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I won't spoil it for anybody. It's wild, but he's got a, a beautiful, uh, drunken monologue in that movie where, um, he talks about how essentially memory is in a thermodynamic slash psychodynamic kind of Freudian sense, how uh, memory is, uh, it, you know, it, it doesn't just go away. It's energy. It exists. And we have essentially our entire evolutionary scales worth of memory in, um, in our brains, uh, because of this collective, uh, evolutionary scale that we're all a part of. And in a sense, because of that memory and the archetypes that embody, um, and, uh, you know, like engage and animate those memories, um, that we have some sort of direct link, uh, some sort of transpersonal link um, to these states of experience throughout throughout history, throughout human experience itself in the grand scheme. Um, uh, I, so. I would think if cymatics is a real thing, then for sure, like if what Eyes is asking about, about sound and creation and stuff, then every time we vibrate a vowel or a mantra or something, then there's definitely some type of practical or sacred geometrical thing that's happening there, regardless if it affects sand or not. Like as far, I think she's trying to ask if sound is an actual creative force. I, I still think a lot of this stuff is, is science that we just haven't figured out. Cause when you look into the realms of like uh biogeometry where they're actually using, um, uh, structures that have certain shapes and stuff to them. And then, uh, you know, things like feng shui where it's kind of obvious that it's actually doing something then mm -hmm. yeah, sound definitely is creating something. Is it creating what we desire? Now that's to be said, I don't know, but, um, it, I think it does create something actually something oh, that we uh, can't yeah. see. I mean, yeah, there's so many, um, readily available examples for uh, these types of unseen forces like magnetism being an easy example. So um, I think it's, it's, it's a, the fact that there are other unseen forces that we only have some sort of heuristic uh, explanation for so far. Um, it, that's a given like 
the fact that or like it's also a given that somewhere in the cosmos there's definitely other intelligent life if you consider the infinite cosmos so it's on that same level for me where i'm sure that's like i guess statistically speaking it's inarguable that that there's more going on but yeah i i can't say what is particularly you know so i'll leave that to the experts i know I, I know my limits, essentially, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know your uh, field's a study, right? Your field's... Right, well, right. The di- I mean, come on. I don't think... Look, I, I think there's a lot to be said for people that, you know, you don't have to go out and get a college education to to study books and study your own psyche and your own consciousness. Studying your own consciousness alone can take you into realms where you can talk with and discuss, and we have on this show, I mean, I'm just saying, anything with anybody nasa physicist it doesn't matter man like once you start exploring your own consciousness you're you're in the top realms of everything else now somebody might be able to explain uh the chemical makeup of your brain a little bit better if they got a degree in neurology but when you both start talking about consciousness and you read books on this stuff consciousness exploration magic manifestation these types of things i think anthony's gonna win out on that one you know because you've dove deeper than most you see what i mean yeah. Hey, man, I just follow where the trail leads. I definitely don't have all the answers, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, low hanging fruit in uh, in modern psychology and brain sciences as a whole. Um, and uh, in, in terms of relating these things to ancient heuristic uh, metaphysical ideas. So, um, yeah, what's some other stuff we could talk about here? I mean, you know, it seems, you know, I really think that, um, in essence, Jung didn't quite say this in his in his book about UFOs, but he said this in different words, um, where these things are, um, in essence, essentially like flying dreams in the sense that they have some sort of encoding to them. Um, like, I, I guess in the same way that um, perhaps in the same way that you can vibrate a pile of sand in these with these specific Hertz waves and have it create uh, geometrical patterns. Um, perhaps we can create these sort of um, um, these what you see, here's the thing. We might be creating something here. And the question really is ultimately, are these things there to begin with? Or are we, are they projecting out of our minds and becoming something that could even be, quasi-physical like if not physical in the strictest sense but something we know that we can trick our senses in into uh seeing and feeling things that aren't there so um we could probably certainly do that with 14 phenomena absolutely um, yeah how many people i wonder if as saw bigfoot and it was uh pareidolia you know could totally be that uh i don't know um let's see yeah, we got to take our last break. Shortest break of the night, though. We're here with Anthony Tyler. Grab the book, Dive Manual. I mean, you'll know it. I could spot this book anywhere. It's got probably the most, one of the most psychedelic covers on it. Known to man, but it's also one of the coolest books you'll ever read in your life, too. We'll be right back. KTLK, the Fringe FM. 
The Fringe FM isn't just a radio station. We also provide services for all your audio production needs. If you are interested in live radio or pre-recorded podcasts, we're here to help. We even do audio enhancements and voiceovers if needed. If you want to do a podcast or live radio show and even want the option to syndicate on terrestrial radio from simple audio file enhancement to live production and call screening, we have you covered. We have worked with some of the best professionals in the business in order to provide coaching instruction for content creation, show structure, and more. Contact The Fringe Digital Media for more at info at thefringe.fm. That's info at thefringe.fm. Or call 501-777-5631 for a consultation. We all have that story to tell in our lives. The winds were howling. The ground shook. You could hear rushing water. And then history repeats itself. When there's no power, refrigeration fails. Stores with their shelves stripped bare. ATMs can't operate. Deliveries stop. Then what? These events can last days or weeks. You need a plan. In statements made during recent interviews, FEMA Administrator Brock Long has repeatedly urged all Americans to understand three truths. FEMA is broke. The system is broken. If this is the new normal, Americans can't rely on federal cavalry when disaster strikes. Don't get caught out in the elements empty-handed. Prepare with us by going to preparewiththefriends.com and get your two-week food supply, 92 servings, eight food varieties with 25-year shelf life, normally $137 now only $75 or get a month supply normally $247 now only $147 shipped in one business day just go to preparewiththefriends.com or call 888-440-7931 that's 888-440-7931 get this great offer and be prepared while it lasts hi i'm dave cruz host of the paranormal media show beyond the strange over the past five years, Beyond the Strange has interviewed numerous witnesses to the paranormal, such as UFO abduction, alien aircraft, ghosts, and spiritual visitations, Bigfoot, and other cryptids. Also, Beyond the Strange has interviewed famous researchers and authors that have shared their experiences of the strange and the bizarre. Visit www.beyondthestrange.com for more information about the show, schedules, guests, and chat. Beyond the Strange airs Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 Eastern, right here on the KTLK Digital Broadcasting Network, The Fringe FM. And remember, always stay strange. Are you tired of mainstream news? Are you looking for an alternative? This is Jess Rogie with the Rogie Report News, where I cover everything from... Space news to parapolitics, from cryptids to ghosts, to ancient discoveries and new technology, all here on the Rogie Report on the Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and I host live talk here on the Fringe FM. If you're sick of hearing about COVID-19, I invite you to listen to my show, 7 p.m. Pacific, Tuesday nights, for a COVID-free zone. We will not be talking about the C word. We discuss news, society, and culture, but not COVID-19. Go listen to the other fear mongers if you want to hear that nonsense. 
Hey, this is Amalia from Know the Self Mystery School. I know that you are in the midst of massive change. We all are. This is the great turning, the time that we all decided to be here on the planet. Do you know why you came here to be a part of this crazy time? If not, I invite you to join my mystery school. I have a nine-week course called Activate Your Mission. And in this course, you're going to learn how to erect crystal clear boundaries so that you can hear that inner still voice that's going to guide your every move. Even if you're dealing with feeling weighed down by obligation and being enslaved to the system, this course is going to give you the tools you need to illuminate your shadow and awaken to your soul's mission. The moment you sign up to the school, you are going to be greeted by not only a group of soulful spiritual lawyers, but you're also going to get some massive karmic clearings and you're going to feel the energy. It's palpable. I hope you'll join me in the school where together we're going to unlock your divine mission. Activate your mission by going to thefringe.fm forward slash soul mission and put in the code word fringe and receive $50 off today. segment of uh, lighting the void tonight september the 24th on into the 25th the death of paracelsus apparently happened too many synchronicities tonight with anthony tyler our guest author of the dive manual and you go check out his website at divemind.net if you want to go check out all the cool stuff there and so i think uh i'm gonna do i don't know if i should use the shout out thing for this like for questions and stuff instead of just the phones but it does have a good sound quality but tonight i will because I want, I think Eyes has another question here for you. Am I doing this right? Oh, yeah, I'm doing this right. Here we go. Yeah, but when it comes to memories, every time you actually recall a memory, you are reliving that memory, and we tend to rewrite our own histories so that they are more in line with our current beliefs and our current reality. So wouldn't that, in effect keep changing human history with all those memories stored in our brain? Good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's it. That the question that she brings up is essentially what, um, what the, the point of the memory is trying to get at there. And, uh, I mean, there are, you know, the, the human experience and memory in and of itself is, I mean, we all know how, uh, faulty eyewitness testimony is and there are even hold uh there's there's big deals about the false memory syndrome uh, related to all sorts of different things from alien abduction to uh supposed satanic ritual sacrifice and these things uh, false memory is a very legitimate thing and and then of course on top of all that uh the victors always write the history books so yeah, yeah. you got that right yeah, yeah but i mean I, i'm an existentialist so um, the human experience, memory being a part of that, is uh, the cornerstone of, of what we're doing here as a species. So, um, but um, well, that actually, yeah, I, I I told everybody that I was uh, for the longest time too that I was listening to like William Buellman when I had my first out of body experience for like two or three years, and then we had an astral journal thing, and Amandala came on there, and we were talking about 
I don't know how it triggered it, but it actually, we said, let's go back and do this over for, for the Patreon group. And I really started thinking about what I did and realized that I've been telling the wrong memory for like two years almost, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, another uh, good example of that, and this was something that um, I was thinking about bringing up um, if the, the time allowed for it. You know, we talked about my UFO encounters on um, we, we, during the last conversation. Yeah. And um, um, there was another reason I wanted to bring that up, but you just reminded me that's actually um, a, a false recall I had. Just one little detail. I went back into my, my handwritten journals right after the event, and I've been saying all this time, it doesn't hardly matter at all but i've been saying all this time that it was a triangle a three-pointed triangle and it actually it was missing the tip like the the the, the third angle the third tip was cut were you off, saying so. that because your mind was seeing the, the or you remembered yes. it i remembered it as that that uh third tip being there but i actually not only do it did i write that um that uh journal um that little journal segment, like right after I saw it, but I also drew a picture because I didn't have my phone on me or anything, but I wanted to remember what it looked like. So also, but this, you know, it's, this is just interesting food for thought just to kind of, um, expound upon the, the things we've, we've brought up in this conversation. And, uh, you know, when I saw these, uh, these UFOs in Alaska, you know, no close encounters, they were just UFO sightings, but they were, they were certainly strange and undeniable. And some of them, I was by myself, some of them were with other people. Uh, and sobriety was involved. Um, and other times it wasn't, <laughs> but, um, yeah. uh, but I wouldn't bring it up if, uh, if there weren't some, some extremely sober times as well. And, uh, Point being, I was all throughout this, I was not looking for a UFO or anything like that, but I was definitely entrenched in, you know, what you would call my research, I, you know, reading philosophy all the time and mysticism, looking into these different things. And, you know, it, I, I've said that Occam's razor would <clears throat> make me inclined to feel like this is probably some sort of government uh, craft, uh, but you know, and you mentioned the Travis Walton case on the last the conversation that we had. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I went and looked back into that again because I knew I'd heard the name, I'd heard the details, but I refreshed myself on it some more. And, yeah, very interesting classic case. And um, his case, among so many others, has this really, really strong paranormal overtone where I, I, I would – I'm. I mean, I have no reason to believe that uh, that Travis Walton is inauthentic, uh, but um, it, you don't really need anything particularly physical to um, um, to make a case in that story. Like it seems like it could be very, very paranormal and and potentially transphysical because you know there are cases of the things like uh, you know, like stigmata wounds. There are all sorts of religious wounds, and for me, in my mind. All those different types of wounds that seem to come from um, internal unconscious motivations that are somehow manifest, that, that somehow manifest themselves in like autoimmune type ways, perhaps. Um, what if all uh, the dudes were out there? I thought about this, too, in the Travis Walton case. What if they're actually all out there tripping acid, you know? <laughs> Right. I mean, I mean, come on. And they come back. I mean, they could really be on some heavy. They're loggers, man. They find they get bored. I used to, I've logged once or twice in my life. It's hard work and you get bored and it's hot. Right. So you come across some acid. Everybody takes acid. Acid lasts like eight hours or so. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you're all being chased by a spaceship. 
Your buddy Travis gets nailed by a ray from a space thing, and he disappears for days because he actually had a bad trip, went somewhere God knows where he went, you know. Then he comes back, and then when he tells the story, he passes a lie detector test because maybe they got into some bad, like, plants or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. know. It no, seems like more of a stretch, though, to, to, to say what I'm saying than he actually get, got abducted. I don't, I don't know, though. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly I mean, you could the same questions um, could be asked and have been asked about, you know, like Point Pleasant, West Virginia with the Mothman and even the uh, the sightings of the Virgin Mary that had UFO undertones in Fatima. Uh, but the, the 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 cherry on top of what I was saying about the religious wounds um, is, I you know, there are often things like um, like surgical incisions, even like you know some people claim microchips and like pieces of metal uh that can come from um supposed uh, ufo abductions and stuff and uh, at this point you know and this is just con some conjecture on my part but i don't think that those things are entirely irrelevant but if anything i think that they might be more akin to something like uh, a religious stigmata uh, phenomenologically speaking i mean these things come out of nowhere that's crazy uh, and, yeah that's a freaky yeah, thing Right. Absolutely. And I can't remember if I mentioned this on the last uh, conversation we had, but it's worth bringing up again because it's small. I do think this speaks to the whole chaos theory idea of quality being uh, pervasive, but characters potentially changing. Um, there's there's a lot of evidence to suggest that um, the shadow people of sleep paralysis, you know, it would, they come in many different ways. And it's really likely Occam's razor would tell us that a lot of UFO abduction encounters probably are really intense, um, uh, sleep paralysis events. And that's yeah. not to take away. Yeah. From the, the validity or the, the, the tangibility of the experience or, you know, the horror that you might experience. These things are real. They're just, we have to consider a more nuanced perspective on what is real and what isn't, you know, just because something is not physical doesn't mean that it's not real. And, you know, the, the German philosopher Immanuel Kant talked about this. There's this schism um, in, in our modern thought where you, the, you have the more philosophical minded who have this neoplatonic view where the physical is shaped by these metaphysical ideals that there's this trickle down effect. And then on the scientific side, you have the Aristotelian model of the more cause and effect and the tangibility of, of matter, etc. Um, but Kant, um, suggested, I'm sure he wasn't the only one to suggest this, but he was certainly the one to, um, to really expound upon it the most, I would say, um, this he called it the Copernican model, where it, it has to take into account both perspectives. Clearly, there are um, there is an objective state of things, and also there there seems to be uh, the state of things as the human mind perceives it. So there are the things in and of themselves, and then it's the perception of um, of those things, which inherently distorts the objective nature. So you have to, when considering phenomenology and human, um, experience, you have to consider both. Uh, if you're going on a purely neoplatonic idealistic well, model, that's, a piece. that's just and confirmation so, bias too. You're, you're going to be constantly looking for what you believe. That's not even, it's not even logical if you're trying to find out truth, actually. 
Right. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, just kind of like yin and yang, man, you got to have both. Yeah. Um, and why yeah, would they and, call it the, I'm just, I know it's totally off subject, but why would they call it the, the Copernicus or the Copernican model? Didn't Copernicus say that the sun was the center of the universe or the earth or something like that? Like maybe it was the fact that people challenged Copernicus. That I they, can't remember to be honest with you. That's, um, that's really weird. Yeah, I'm assuming knowing uh, Kant and just, uh, the 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 philosophical mind in general, it was probably some sort of wordplay, um, some sort of uh, yeah. meta- metaphorical, potentially symbolic meaning, semantics, right? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so when I was looking at that UFO, uh, the the one of the most surreal encounters, probably the most surreal quote unquote physical encounter, unexplainable thing I've ever experienced other than like really vivid, you know, dreams, you know, premonition dreams that I can't control that have happened in just, just a handful of times and strange synchronicities and stuff. These UFOs were by far the most mind boggling thing I've ever seen. And, um, uh, I believe it was the same in the Travis Walton case, if I remember correctly, where it started as an orb of light and, uh, and then it gets closer and closer and then it kind of materializes into something more. And that happens with, uh, it seems, the majority of UFO cases, not all necessarily. And it happened with my this specific UFO encounter I'm talking about. And when I was listening to Jung talk about uh, how UFOs could be considered flying dreams in this sort of sense, it started making me think about how when I first saw the orb of light, and this is how I've heard it described by other people in their accounts as well. It's hypnotic. You're transfixed on it. It's this glowing giant ball in the sky and it's completely anomalous and it's like a moth to a flame. Like how you see a computer screen in a dark room, you're probably going to be staring at it. It's the same way and it almost feels like a swinging watch. And all of a sudden you go into this suspended state of disbelief where you're mixed with the skepticism where you're like, oh, is this – what I think it is, it can't be. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, your heart rate spikes and through this series, this sequence of, uh, of psychological triggers in your mind and you're trying to comprehend what's going on and transfixing on this orb, it almost seems in some sort of chaos magic sense that something is drawing you in. There's a honing, whether or not there's anything on the other side could be who knows the jury's out and and i think that there's probably something on the other side of a lot of these examples um but point being i think there is how many experiences like that did you have though with the orb just the one where you were totally sober though i mean yeah um there was two um it was curious because uh the one was the um was how i just explained it and the other one it seemed to be the same thing as far as i could tell but it was <laughs> this is what I mean about how well, we'll get into that next about some of the quality of this stuff. Uh, but um, it, it seemed to be the same thing. And it was on the side of the tree line in, in the same kind of area, like the same land generally that I saw the other one in. And it was blinking like a blinding light that made, and we were in the woods too driving. So there's no one else around. And it was such a bright light that in the vicinity, it seemed like daytime. So it almost seemed like the orb, not on consistently perhaps and and instead just going in intervals i don't know i don't know and and that's another point that uh is worth making and it's something that 
Valet and Jung, uh, Kiel, these guys touched on, they saw it time and time again because they were so close to these kind of phenomena. People report things to them and, and, and whatnot. There is a natural, surreal, absurd quality to these things, yeah. which does not discount. Yeah, it doesn't discount the fact that they happen, but it does 100 million percent speak to the same uh, neurobiological mechanics as the dream process. Because it's like what we were talking about before. None of these Fortean events and experiences have rational scientific truth to them in the strictest sense. Uh, but they all have this metaphorical, this dream logic. Um, Valet talked about how all of these, anytime you found UFO encounters or uh, alien encounters, they would more often than not, they would always talk about how they're from different planets and then also go on to spew a bunch of other absolute nonsense, stuff that demonstrably didn't even make any sense from the get-go. And um, and it seems that in a similar way where the, uh, things speaking to you in dreams aren't quite direct, but they seem to be saying things that might be useful, seems to be the same thing. And Valet thought, actually, uh, interestingly enough, he thought that uh, the fact that uh, these extraterrestrials in the sightings um, claimed that they were from other planets, he led that led him to believe that they were definitely not from other planets because they're lying. They're yeah. directly lying, and that's part of the abstract surrealism <clears throat> dream logic. It's symbolic. It's not literal. None of these things are probably. So, that's my so we could be. So people could be having dream type symbolic experiences. Through some sort of slipped consciousness experience or something, and call it an alien encounter. So, I mean, look, what you're talking about, the most classic case of this would definitely be uh, Whitley Strieber's case of the probe and all that stuff that goes back with Art Bell. And even as time went on later, and when he came onto the show, he, he did start to admit that it it seemed more of some type of spiritual or non-physical type thing that was happening to him. And he even went to the Monroe Institute and really got into spirituality and Gurdjieff and all this other stuff, which at the time when Whitley Strieber came out and told the story of his encounter, nobody was even thinking he was going to go down that road. Right. Right. You know, so yeah. like Strieber, I don't, I'm not an expert on, on all of his material, but I certainly know it. And he seems like a pretty, pretty genuine dude. From yeah. what I understand. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, and, and for that matter, um, so who's to say in some sense that I wasn't um, a conjuring something into existence there, uh, being a piggyback for something, whether or yeah. not it came directly from my own mind or something that projected initially from my mind and then something jumped in the receptacle of that projection process um, and filled in the gap, you know, because you think about it like a Bigfoot being a cool example, like, because I respect it. That's dedication. That's like a hunter going out for the ultimate hunt. It's like something that you're probably not going to find, uh, just statistically speaking, like even if you do find Bigfoot eventually, you're not going to find it. happens to roll up on you once. You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So like that's yeah. discipline and like, that's like a quietude and, uh, and, um, uh, of, you know, some forethought involved. You gotta be trekking through the woods when you start, when you start to think about all that, you know, they prep the food, they plan their, their hiking route, they set up their outposts, whatever, any of, and all the things that they do, 
that sounds to me when you boil it down archetypally a lot like a withstanding extended series of ceremony and ritual i see what you're so. saying now yeah i totally see what you're saying so yeah yeah that's interesting you know the one time i had that out-of-body experience that was so freakishly real i became pretty obsessive about it beforehand but whereas i setting myself up in a ritualistic sense through hemisync and through everything i learned and through all of the stuff on a daily practice where i was i see i think i see what you're saying how we kind of create we could be creating this in our minds too in such a real sense that it becomes so vivid Right. And again, that's not to say that there that there isn't something on the other side of this either. Yeah. There probably if I were to guess you want my personal opinion, I think that there definitely is. And it's just a matter of figuring it out. Often. Yeah. Right. How often. Yeah. Right. Because there are these there are these tulpas, these things that we create with our own thought forms and, and energy. And um, um, but yeah, you know, I uh, um, we're out of time, man. Uh, yeah. We're out yeah. of time. Damn it. This, I love I love doing <laughs> the shows. So much more. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs> yeah, but you you guys, if you like Anthony, man, you can go listen to him on he's on another other shows too, the Mind Escape. Uh there's some other cool shows out there. They got some really cool I mean, names. Okay. Uh, the whole rabbit. I wish I would have came up with that name, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah, shout outs to um Martin over at the Alchemical Mind. Um, Mike and Maurice over at Mind Escape. Yeah, that's Alex, a good one. Natural Born Alchemist, and um, uh, there's others, but uh, a bunch of great people. Justin over at Dharma Junkie. We really have a cool little infrastructure of like unexplainable phenomena researchers and esoteric people. Like a lot of them uh, mingling on Twitter and stuff. It's a cool community, man. I really have. Um, I got to get yeah, more involved. I see everybody tagging everybody all the time. They'll even put at lighting the void and stuff on there. And I'm like, ah, you know, I got toys to play with here on the radio. Dude, I don't yeah, Jump in every now and then there's a lot of cool people on there. I don't like social media and I don't like what I see in the, the general public sphere on Twitter, but there's a lot of cool like-minded people out there uh, who are skeptical, just as skeptical as they are um, intrigued by the unexplainable. And that's, that's what I that, that's what my suggestion to everybody in general is understand that there is a, a rational truth and a metaphorical truth and understand that you need to wrap your head around both. Absolutely. Complete picture. And we need to get out of here. Listen, uh, you guys sign up to the Patreon. We need your help. We need your support. Keep signing up. We'll keep putting stuff out there for you. Go check out the website. DiveMind.net. Pick up the book. We'll be back tomorrow night, Friday night, open lines. We might do a show with Ryan Gable, maybe. Speaking of which, he's coming up next. Thank you, Pacho. Thank you, callers. Good night. Peace. Good one, though.